Welcome everyone to this episode of Manufacturing Talk Radio. My name is Tim Grady. I'm here with my co-host Lou Weiss. And we're speaking today with Anthony Nieves, who is the committee chair for the services report on business. And Anthony's going to be speaking to us about the report that just came out. By the way, I want to mention that All Metals and Forge Group, Lou's company, is the sponsor for Manufacturing Talk Radio. They can be found at steelforge.com. And ISM can be found at ismworld.org. Anthony, thank you for joining us. Hello, gentlemen. Thank you for having me on the show. You're welcome. <laughs> Glad, you're, <laughs> Glad you're here. Uh, Anthony, share with us what's going on with this month's ISM report, because as Lou pointed out earlier today, it is another good report. Something like 135 months up or 137 months up. 135 out of 137 months. We haven't seen a decline or contraction for the composite index uh, since the last recessionary period. Well, let me correct myself. Uh, we did have those two months of contraction that we pointed out, and that was back in April and May. Uh, we didn't count March uh, because the pandemic hit us in the middle of the month or so, and we saw the effects of that uh, take hold uh, take hold of the economy. Uh, back in uh, April and May. And uh, fortunately, we have seen a, a somewhat slow incremental steady climb out of that low point up until the uh, last few months where the pent up demand has really impacted uh, the overall effect on the economy. And what are your respondents saying, feeling about, you know, how things are in their particular sector since Services represents about 80% of the economy, if I understand that right. Well, a good bellwether is to look at the accommodation and food services sector as the restrictions have been lifted uh, for restaurants uh, mostly and, and also in the uh, hotels as well. Uh, we've seen the, the demand increase as diners have started to frequent those establishments but it's caused a litany of challenges for them as well as they've uh, struggled with uh, providing the necessary labor. Uh, there's also been some commodity shortfall in that regard, as well as uh, anything associated with keeping those businesses up from uh, where they were uh, has really been a struggle. And we're seeing that across some of the other industries as well. There's been such pent up demand. And that's another thing that our respondents have commented, commented on in the last few months is that the demand is all of a sudden being released and it's caused some capacity constraints for these respective companies. Well, the good news here, the good news here in the East Coast, uh, come May 19, New York, New Jersey, and Connecticut are basically opening up uh, uh, restaurants and entertainment facilities and Broadway and uh, things of that nature. So things are uh, looking a lot better uh, as long as it doesn't uh, explode as a result of uh, the opening up. Well, similarly, in uh, the Southern California area, Los Angeles specifically, uh, they're in the yellow tier, which uh, is minimal for them compared to where they were leading the country in the past. And the projections are that uh, things will be opened up fully by June 15th. 
sooner, but June 15th seems to be the uh, timeline right now. And that, uh, as we know, in this area is uh, what the fourth largest uh, economy uh, as far as uh, looking at it regionally uh, in the country. Anthony, we know there are constraints in the economy, uh, container ships, containers, trucks to haul containers. What is the impact on the services sector for those kind of difficulties? Great question, Tim. Uh, when you look at the uh, manufacturing side of things, they are suppliers to the services sector. So when you have those interruptions in the supply chain and the supply routes that really affects um, the services companies. And you mentioned, you know, shipping containers have been a shortage for quite some time. Our respondents are mentioning that specifically, as well as port congestion. Uh, we're also seeing weather related issues. Uh, there's been some challenges with rail service. Uh, truckers and available trucks has been an ongoing challenge uh, for quite some time. So coupled with the labor resources being, uh, and it's not so much that when we look at the unemployment rate, as much as we look at the application of the available labor pool to the specific jobs that are open. And that's what's also hindering even a further expansion and growth for the employment index. But overall, these are the things that are contributing to the, the constraint, the capacity constraint that we're seeing. It's uh, resulting in uh, backlog uh, the disbursement, or I should say the uh, working down of inventories, which aren't as prevalent in the services sector as they are in manufacturing. And we're seeing supplier deliveries continue to slow. Supplier deliveries are up uh, 5.1 percentage points month over month to 66.1. We do notice that uh, pricing is going up. Well, yes, for sure. Pricing index at 76.8 very high, up 2.8 percentage points from the 74% last month. And that's supply and demand related. Um, and we're, you know, I think that uh, I'll refer to a comment that uh, related to a comment that the Fed chair made last week, that hopefully this is a temporary situation due to the anomalies created with the capacity issues, as well as the pent up demand and, you know, causing the supply and demand issues that we're seeing. Um, it's also attributed to fuel prices. Look at fuel cost right now. It's up substantially, the price of oil. So fuel for fuel related uh, products, petroleum based products, all those product costs are up right now. So far, Anthony, uh, inflation hasn't reared its ugly head, but I've got to believe in following the manufacturing report on business and the services report on business where prices are climbing month over month that at some point inflation is going to appear. Yeah, I think it's we're seeing it creep in right now. It's just a matter of, uh, is it going to be long-term? Is it going to keep building to where we have the real hard inflationary pressures? We're having cost pressure right now. And uh, not that I'm the economist here, but you know to differentiate, uh, one is just looking at, as I said, the anomalies that we have right now with the uh, uh, pent up demand and the capacity constraint. One of the good things that uh, I've noticed, and it also appeared in the uh, manufacturing report about backlog. Uh, backlog has uh, really grown quite a bit. Definitely. Those indexes that you look at, uh, supplier deliveries, backlog and inventories, very much interrelated. And um, 
you know, starting with inventories, 49.1, it's down from 54. And part of that has to do with, again, we had that demand come out of the gates really, really quickly in the last month and two months now. And so with product availability, it's been worked off of the inventory that's existed. Then there's another variable in there, the PPE, the uh, protective equipment that we've had for COVID. It's not as much needed right now as it was going back to almost a year ago. So the inventories there are being worked down as well. And supplier deliveries, as we've touched on already, all the different modes of transportation that have been affected, all the linkage in the supply chain, starting with whether it be uh, offshore products coming in through the ports or rail and truck delivery, that's also uh, coupled with the uh, output coming from these various companies. I think Tim, you had asked me a question previously about um, how does the uh, products and services or how does services uh, transpose into uh, like either slower deliveries or uh, into labor issues. And, and the challenge is when you look at it again, upstream manufacturers are suppliers to service companies and vice versa. So when you have the disruption on the manufacturing side, it affects certain industries specifically like warehouse and transportation, wholesale trade, all those industries that are moving commodities and not just providing straight services. So how does this translate as you look at uh, GDP? And by the way, Lou and I were just today looking at a chart on the ISM number and GDP, and they track almost one for one. It's surprising how accurate it is. What does this kind of a PMI number for services translate into for GDP? Uh, GDP on an annualized basis, it would be 4.7% growth. Now, uh, also when you look at the composite indexes for both the manufacturing side and the services side, and you look back historically and how well it's mapped against actual GDP. Uh, further to that, um, when you look at manufacturing, they are the bellwether leading into expansion territory as well as uh, recessionary periods of time. So as we've seen manufacturing come out quicker uh, out of the gate with this recovery, uh, I shouldn't say they, they both came out expanding at the same time, but look at how the spikes were on the manufacturing side. And just, uh, just a little tidbit of information for the listeners. When we looked at comp compiling the composite index, uh, whether it was for manufacturing or for services, it was the same group of people. It was a, a team of economists, uh, people from the academe, practitioners, uh, myself and others that were involved in the process. And we looked at which indexes would best fit correlating back to this GDP growth over a period of time. We looked back 10 years historically in order to map this accurately and, and come up with that algorithm to figure out which would be the best. And that's why we see this accuracy when we're tracking the composite index against GDP. So it's really rather impressive to see how accurate this report is and, and has been for decades. Uh, headwinds, you know, we're always concerned about headwinds. And other than COVID uh, and the constraints, are there any unexpected ones? Is there anything that you pick up in the report or is it just really smooth sailing for the next several months? I think we'll see continued growth. Um, 
albeit it might not be at this uh, strong rate that we're seeing, you know, over 60%. When we look at the baseline being 50, and now we're over 60%. So even though we had a pullback of one percentage point on the composite, it's still such a strong rate of growth. And uh, how sustainable is that? It, it, it can't be sustained over the long period of time. It's unrealistic to have that expectation. But I think we'll still see steady growth as we recover and come out of this pandemic. What are the potential headwinds? Again, we see them right now. We have some uh, capacity issues right now. So provisional and production capacity is a challenge. Uh, we'll also see some labor resource issues. As I mentioned earlier, the employment index would be even stronger if we had uh, the applicable skilled and non-skilled workers to, fill, to backfill these uh, open positions. And then we have to look at other things such as hopefully we don't have any variants of this uh, pandemic that creep back in. I think that uh, as we're seeing this expansion of uh, vaccinations across the, the country and hopefully the globe, that uh, it'll bode well, not just for our, our uh, national economy, but for the global economy. Anthony, is the services sector affected by any geopolitical events that take place either outside our borders or across the United States by the administration, any more or less so than the manufacturing side? I think it's about, you know, it's hard to put it in a ratio as to, you know, who is affected more uh, because you have to take into consideration what's the representation to the economy, uh, looking at services versus manufacturing, you know, 85, 15, give or take a few percentage points here and there. And we've had some geopolitical issues with the, as we don't hear much of nowadays, was the, the trade war, right? But that definitely affected certain industries within the services sector, most notably uh, agriculture, forestry, fishing, and hunting, right? And farming, all that kind of stuff, dairy, soy. And then we look at lumber, lumber impacts the construction industry. We've had issues with the lumber prices getting so strong, and part of that has to do with the tariff of lumber coming out of Canada. And then look at the technological side of things. When we look at Europe and the issues we've had with intellectual property and source code and some other things, not just in Asia, but over in Europe. And so information is one of the biggest exporters of services at whole knowledge management piece, which comprises information, management of companies and support services, professional scientific and technical services. These are the type of things the services sector um, leverages outside of the US boundaries. I, I know this falls, I think a little bit outside of your uh, realm of experience and knowledge base, but uh, we were talking about PPEs and uh, India obviously is having a you know, significant major uh, effect with regards to COVID. Um, are we not helping them? Are we not sending over uh, PPEs and uh, Europe helping uh, India uh, out of this dire situation that they're in? Well, I just uh, read yesterday that there was um, definitely a distribution of uh, vaccines that was sent over there. I think some of the Johnson & Johnson vaccine was sent over to India Right. And that, uh, uh, from a local standpoint, I hear they're sending uh, Mayor Garcetti to be the uh, ambassador over to India. So that's another thing that we're doing. We're sending him out there. Yeah. So, uh, I, I, you know, uh, not to make light of it, but 
you know, we're going to lose a mayor and they're going to gain an ambassador. So we'll see what happens. <laughs> uh, oxygen seems to be a huge problem in India. I think all throughout, uh, when you look at um, some of the things that have been controversial over the past years about the uh, Paris Accord and carbon footprint, and yet we have our two biggest polluters are India and China and some of the other Asian countries. And I've experienced that firsthand in my travel. Uh, it definitely reminds me of what Southern California looked like before uh, the emissions control was implemented. It would be sunny out if you looked uh, straight ahead, but if you looked up in the sky, it always looked overcast. Well, you, what, I'm sorry, Tim, go ahead. I was gonna say, Anthony, you bring up an interesting point uh, because the United States, although we often hear in the news uh, how not green we are. We're probably one of the greenest countries in the world making great strides uh, against us. Um, I'm just curious in the import export arena was to what degree was services impacted on exports when COVID hit and things shut down overseas? It seems that we still did fairly well. Well, we actually had a, a, a decline in exports in the midst of the pandemic. And part of that had to do with not just the uh, tangible goods, but what I mentioned earlier about challenges in the information arena. Um, take a step back uh, to what you were saying about uh, uh, recently with the, um, um, I'm sorry, I just lost my train of thought on that. What were we just talking about prior to this? <laughs> <laughs> I had a senior moment. Yeah, I know, I know that feeling. Well, we can always edit this out. So, <laughs> so, so let's go to give us a an idea of what imports and exports look like within this report. And I, I know it's been good. Uh, is it still remaining strong as we come out of this recovery? Well, imports are up five percentage points month over month. And as businesses are opening up, you know, we've offshored so much. Uh, in the last two decades. And uh, so with that offshoring, uh, we were reliant on many imports for many of the different uh, industries that comprise this sector. Think about this, uh, many of the so-called amenities that you see in many establishments, they're all imported. Uh, there was very few things that were manufactured on some of these uh, lower end uh, commodity type, uh, tangible type goods. Um, and so, now, as things are opening up and the demand has increased, we're seeing imports uh, come in. And even though we've moved some manufacturing domestically, uh, in the grand scheme of things, it's a small percentage. Uh, when you look at exports, it goes back to what I said earlier about the uh, exporting of the knowledge management. We've been fortunate in the services side that the strength of the dollar does not come into play because there's less tangible goods involved. It's more about it's more about that knowledge management, which is not tangible, it's a service, it's a straight service. So you can you know, play with the, with the evaluation a little bit as it relates to cost and whatnot. Uh, so we've seen that come up uh, as well on the export side, 3.1 percentage points month over month. Uh, going back to my point a few moments ago about the uh, China rebate tax on their own manufacturers, a good part of that has to do with steel. And one of the things that uh, I, I picked up on was the fact that 
they want to cut back on steel production so that they have a smaller and narrower carbon footprint. So it's kind of interesting that China is playing in this arena, but at the same time, they're hurting their own uh, economy, if you will. Well, and it's, a, it's twofold though. By cutting back the production, it's also increasing their pricing power as well. Yes. Uh, similar to what we had seen back you know, with oil production uh, when we were more reliant on overseas oil production as they held back on production, it drove the price of the barrel up. Very similar situation there. And then, you know, your guys, you have to be impressed. I'm outside of my purview. I'm a services guy. You know, here I am talking manufacturing with you. You're doing a great <laughs> job. You're doing a great job. Maybe Tim Fiore will have to look out for his job. You know, I don't know about that. I might need some tutoring. <laughs> Anthony, give me the date. Make sure I get it right for our audience. Is it May 18th or May 19th? that the semi-annual forecast comes out? That's a great question. And I'm gonna take a gamble on this and say it's the 18th, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> okay. because, um, yeah, it is the 18th. I have it blocked on my calendar. We're actually going to do, it's going to be something unique in the sense of this is a virtual international conference, but Tim and I, because of the sensitivity of the numbers and releasing the numbers, we are going to be live. So there's no, uh, rehearsal. There's no editing. Uh, we're going to be out there, you know, so we're going to have to get it right. Uh, but, uh, you know, it's a combination of releasing the monthly numbers and the semi-annual forecast. And as you know, the semi-annual forecast, we take a look backwards, forwards, and current, and we compare that year over year and quarter over quarter. And uh, depending on, we measure different things than what we see in the monthly report. We'll measure revenue, uh, the projection, the forecast, capital investment, uh, some other uh, neat things that uh, would be of interest to uh, many of the listeners. Well, we're looking forward to being involved in that with you. Likewise. And Anthony, as always, we appreciate you joining us on Manufacturing Talk Radio to share that very important services sector report that comes out monthly. So thank you again for being with us. Well, thank you, gentlemen, for having us on the show. I look forward to the next time. Excellent. Thank you. And for those of you who would like more information on this report, please go to ismworld.org. While you're surfing the web, go to jacketmediaco.com, where you can find links to this podcast and the other business and manufacturing podcasts, as well as the magazine that we put out through Jacket Media. And as always... Thank you for listening to this episode of Manufacturing Talk Radio. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.